Welcome to another PI World podcast. This is an audio-only version offered as another way to enjoy our great content. A full video version can be seen on piworld.co.uk, where you can find many more videos of interest to investors. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. As a quick recap, uh, Winward went public in London in uh, December. We've since been executing on our plan as per what we told the market at IPO. Uh, we've grown to 150 team members. We crossed the 100 customer milestone, which I think is a very important milestone for us. Our revenue is all subscription revenue. And in H1, we've grown 34% in revenue, which is above, I believe, what we told to the market. Our gross margins have stayed 72% approximately. As a quick reminder, we're shipping an AI platform. So the reason people partner with us is because we don't provide them raw data. We don't provide them the materials. We provide them the recommendations, the insights. Uh, from BP and Shell to HSBC and OCBC and Standard Childhood to the U.S. government, and now also newly announced 12 supply chain customers using our ocean freight visibility solutions. We help people and professionals take decisions on risks at sea, on cargoes at sea, on ships at sea. And as you all know, uh, the world is pretty turbulent. We've had the Russia-Ukraine war uh, disrupting supply chains, disrupting geopolitical uh, order, dis- disrupting the legal considerations and who you can and can do business with. We believe all of these things are great tailwinds for our business and fundamentals as we present them in December, in March, and now. What makes us unique? Uh, we're deeply technological. We're a combination between the, uh, the main in-house research team, shipping experts. We have a chief data scientist and numerous data scientists as well global industry experts, and these are our values, partnership, trust, expertise, innovation, and leadership. We strive to be a market leader in everything we do, from security to helping fight illegal fishing to ocean freight visibility to compliance. This is our opportunity as we see it. These are the types of organizations we partner with. What we have learned since we went public in December is the market is way, way bigger than, than we thought. At IPO, we thought there are 250,000 customers potential customers. Today, we know there are uh, above 10 million shippers or cargo owners in the world, which is 40 times as much. We've also learned this is a greenfield. And Irate, our CMO, will share in a bit also some stats about the inbound interest that we're seeing into the company. But I think strategically, we've learned that there's a lot more runway to grow uh, from where we are to where we can be as a company. And indeed, our IPO has been a growth IPO. It's all about top-line growth. It's all about how you grow to be a market leader. This is the web application that the customer sign up to. You get access. Uh, you can search for vessels like this. So if I type any name of a vessel, I get a vessel. Um, I get uh, hits on the left for vessels, on the right for on the right side for companies. Once I choose a vessel, I get a vessel profile. This is very comprehensive. It includes all the information about this vessel, who owns it, where it has been, what's the security risk, and what's the compliance risk, what's the safety risk. They're expected to be also carbon elements. It's very explainable. Um, it's very comprehensive. Uh, and this is what you see here with a map application, and you can export and so forth. So this is what the U.S. government uses, BP uses, Shell uses, and so on and so forth. It's fully customizable, so customers can build their own risk profile. When we launched our Ocean Freight Visibility Platform, we built it on the back of the same platform, which is what you see right now. So for every container you should you can add here in the world, in five seconds, you'll get a very clear understanding of this container's journey, 
where it was loaded, the port of loading, all the milestones of the journey, and where it is going, as well as the carrier ETA, which means the reported ETA by the liner, whether, whether it's MERSC or MSC or Zim or anybody else, and what's our maritime AI predicted ETA, uh, which is here on the right. This is a deep learning model, state-of-the-art, combines the orchestrated AI network, both for vessels and containers. It works for 100, almost 100% of the containers in the world, uh, over 99% of the containers, and it outperforms carriers in more than three quarters of the containers globally. So I think it's very exciting. Uh, we've announced 12 customers. Uh, we believe it's fully repeatable by now. As a reminder, we've been executing on our plan. You'll see uh, that we've invested and launched our ocean freight visibility product, 12 new customers in building SaaS products. That indicates what's called product market fit. And indeed, we are busy scaling that product now and going to market across a very, very big market, both via inside sales, which means sales on the phone, enterprise sales, which means going after the bigger customers, as well as channel partnerships with different booking platforms. We've launched our API Insights Lab, which in essence, everything I showed you on the application, you can get as an API, which means integratable into your IT platform. So if you're any organization in the world, you either have a transport management system or a trading system or an ERP or a, something of that like. Uh, no longer you are limited to using our web application. You can also consume all of our insights directly to your platform. This is built in state-of-the-art GraphQL technology, uh, which is technology built by Facebook and reduces the time to value by 90%. Customers absolutely love it. We believe it also allows a lot of upsell and cross-sell to customers. So if we are to, if we weren't working with a general counsel or a legal department at a big trading organization, this enables us to provide value directly into the chief data scientist, the head of analytics, or the head of trading. And indeed, that's what we're seeing. The market demand, to summarize, uh, I think is stronger than ever, driven by the wider economic and geopolitical environment. We understand the world is talking about recession and rising interest rates. For our customers, for many of them, it's heyday right now. The energy companies, the traders, in the last 25 years, they have, uh, have not shown a higher and a better profit line and bottom line. Uh, some of the companies reported 11 billion in profits in, in, in the last quarter, um, which allows, I think, a lot of room for growth for us, especially with the launch of the API Insights and all of these new solutions. So to summarize, very happy with the revenue growth, ACV growth, new customers, as well as the new announced customer wins, both on, the, uh, uh, on a very big contract in EMEA for three years, uh, overall $6 million over three years, uh, as well as in uh, growth in a customer in the United States. That customer, which you would have seen in the announcement, I think what's important is not just the uh, revenue line, which is great upsell, I think, but also that it's a five-year contract that allows further parts of that organization to just sign up and buy more users as they go. So actually, it's, it, it's much more strategic than just the revenue line. You can see here some of the customers we're working with. You can absolutely see we are targeting and working with market leaders. And I think in the H2, you should expect to see more market leaders' logos added to this list across the board from across all of our customer base. Ofer, do you want to take it away? So just a reminder of our, you know, our KPI, the stuff that we look at, the, the health of the business. So on on the left is the ACV growth per market. Remember, three markets, 
governments outside the U.S., U.S. government, and commercial. So you see we're growing in all segments uh, in the ACV growth. Just on the U.S. side, remember that the strong quarter for U.S. is the third quarter. That's why half number are not much higher than the end of the year number because the strong quarter is actually the current quarter. And on the right, you can see the revenues so or gap revenue growth. The U.S. is the fastest growing. It's been like this for a few years. Commercial is growing. And of course, the rest of the world government is growing slower uh, as we predicted. This is the customer count. I think that's very visible that most of the growth is on the commercial side. This is the biggest market we go after. Low average sales price, but essentially from our standpoint, endless market and we just need to sign as many customers as we can and this bar will go up and up and up. I think you, you know this slide I just arrange it to, to be more easy to read on a on an annual basis and half year basis. So you can see growth continue just as we predicted continue to grow. PNL, If you look at the, the right hand, that's the six-month number. So essentially, same gross profit margin as last year. We believe it will start to increase in the second half of the year. As we long-term, we target higher gross margin. We said late 70s, early 80s, probably next year. R&D growing. The comparison between half one last year and half one this year Is a bit not really comparable because last year due, uh, until June of course we were not a public company was still covid times so we're much more easy on the investment if you compare it to the second half of last year you see the, the numbers are similar uh, we still continue to grow but not as much as we grew since the second half of last year operational cash flow goes down pretty much uh, together with the expansion of expenses. So about, if you look at the adjusted number, because when you look at the financial statement, there's some stuff that is part of operational for accounting, but to understand the business, there's still 800,000 that have nothing to do with the operation and just this payment for uh, IPO-related expenses that pay this year. So the actual number to compare is 8.8 to the 6.2. The difference is very similar to the loss difference. And then the rest is the investing, the, the financing. And I would mention two things here. First is the way we, uh, the cash runs in this company. This is a structural status that we have. It will change only once the commercial business will be much, much larger than it is today. So our inflow of cash is mostly at the second half of the year because that's when we get paid from the government. Usually they sign at the end of the year and they pay at the end of the year. So that's why most of the cash come in at the second half of the year historically. And then expense side, many of the payments that we do are done at the beginning of the year. All right? So we buy data on a subscription base like the We collect from our customers at the beginning of the period. They collect from us at the beginning of the period, which is usually at the beginning of the year. So most of our data we buy upfront for the year. So that's one. 
And one other element, which is annual bonuses, which are usually paid at the beginning of the year for the following, uh, for the previous year numbers. So that's why more expenses are paid upfront at the beginning of the year. That's why always our cash flow, at least for the foreseeable future, in the first six months of the year will be negative, at least for the next two years. But we see positive cash flow for the second half of the year. Now, clearly, as we go and become close to profitable, the, the cash flow will be much, uh, much better. Usually, our cash generation comes before the revenue, right? With subscription, we collect upfront. The other number here I'd like to mention, which had a big effect this last few months, is the effect of exchange rate. So we operate with reporting dollars, we receive most of our revenue are in dollars, but we operate in countries that are not operating in dollar, both Europe, UK, and of course Israel. And the strengthening of the dollar is really since late April suddenly strengthened. We had a lot of cash from the IPO in, in pound, and so we did uh, get an effect, and so that's the number. That was essentially a one-time effect that's not going to continue. So that's the balance sheet. I don't think there's any anything specific. So cash is 20, close to 28 million. The Fed revenue still high, should grow by the end of the year. That's Again, as we are collecting, the second half will be a much higher collection. And one other part, you see the IPO, just one other line, is the IPO-related payable that we had in December. This is 4.5 million, 800 is part of it, the 800 I showed earlier. The rest was actually, we were just a pass-through for payment to shareholders that sold in the IPO. That's the financials. Thank you, Ofer. Yurit, would you mind taking us to, again, the uh, reminder of the strategy and the opportunity, please? Absolutely. In December, in our IPO, we said that our strategy is basically uh, launching a new product with a new addressable market, which is the supply chain uh, product, our ocean freight visibility product. And since then, we've seen several drivers in terms of the market. One is, like Ami mentioned earlier, the geopolitical pressure and the sanctions compliance. So we've seen a lot of traction following that situation, both in new customers that are now looking for dry bulk, for instance, whereas before we were looking more at the energy companies. Now we see a lot of requests for compliance products and sanctions products. So that is one part of it. And we've answered that need through our product, looking at the Russian sanctioned vessels. Another part was the, su- the supply chain, like I mentioned, which we launched in February of this year. Um, since then, we've been getting a lot of new customers. So this is a new addressable market. We've launched the second phase of that product in uh, June. And decarbonization, which keeps on being at the top of mind of a lot of companies, we, we will be launching our product or part of it, first phase of it, uh, by Q4 of this year and more to come in 2023. So these are drivers of the industry that we see today, and we see an increase, a dramatic increase in inbound from new prospects, um, perhaps uh, several hundred percent more than what we've seen in 2021. 
And this is testament to our product market fit of the supply chain product. If we look at the next slide, we can talk about our growth strategy, which we also talked about at IPO. So the land and expand and really all the time continuing to develop our current predictive intelligence platform, where we use and leverage the power of AI, the maritime AI, into different use cases and new workflows. So we see an upsell. We've seen it with the government customers, which we announced. We see it with current customer base, but also with new potential customers. Our go-to-market approach, which we are now strengthening through our API Insights Labs, we are enabling third-party partners to actually develop upon our APIs, third-party solutions. So this is a whole new addressable market that has opened up for us. We in continue to invest in our, in our current customers and winning new customers. So just like the email uh, customer that we are now in uh, landed and uh, announced just uh, and today, and innovation of our products. So two major innovations that we brought to the market in this half was Ocean Freight Visibility and our API Insights Labs. If we go into the next slide, we can tap into all three major roadmap investments. So these are investments in terms of product, in terms of marketing and sales. And we see a very clear product market fit for our supply chain product. We already have 12 customers and growing. And if we just look where we're headed, we can see the ocean freight visibility product. So we have developed our maritime AI predicted ETA, which gives a far larger accuracy to customers. We see endless amount of customers that are potential. So it's from shippers that have two to three or even or 50 containers to the enterprise of a hundred thousands of containers. There is a definite product market fit. We see that there is a need for this product. And we've actually been happily surprised to see that different workflows and different use cases for different types of customers. This product is very relevant. The uh, geopolitical situation and, and the supply chain challenge has just emphasized the need for visibility and accuracy and being able to predict when a vessel will arrive, when a container were to arrive, and the feedback we're getting from the market is tremendous. If I can chime into that, so two relevant examples, which I think will, will um, resonate with the crowd here. Uh, in the recent couple of weeks, you had a, we had a strike at Felixstowe, which is the biggest uh, UK port. That has had a big impact on, on shipments into the UK and a big impact on, obviously, customers needing a product to predict ETA which is when will my shipment arrive? Even if the, 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 the uh, port gets opened up, it's still unclear to them when. And, and our AI model does that on the fly. Um, so I think that's one comment. A second comment, which I think is anecdotal, but I think is interesting. We spoke recently, one of the biggest um, uh, cargo owners in, in, in the UK, a retail company. And just as by way of example, they've been paying $2 million a year just for what's called demarge and detention fines. Uh, which is basically fines on when will the cargo arriving and so forth, and to manage ship shipments in and around the ports. Uh, this is the level of ROI and impact this issue is is uh, uh, has on the customers. Uh, and I think Irit, if you can say a few words about the feedback we're getting in terms of the ROI and value from freight forwarder customers, that'd be great. 
So, yeah, so absolutely. I mean, this is just one example of, uh, of one of our uh, first customers, Metro Shipping, and showing really how our product creates not just a better customer service, which is top of mind for a lot of freight forwarders, which is the differentiator in terms of their business proposal, but also gives them a saving and actual funds. So bottom line increase, and they see it true value in that. This is just one of those examples where once they can focus more on their customer service, give better service to their customers, understand when their shipment is going to get to the port and when they can deliver on that. Uh, Metro shipping from the UK has a capacity of hundreds of thousands of containers a year. So doing this manually, obviously, is a very tremendous uh, work effort, and this saves them not only time, but also accuracy and giving them better service. So they definitely see a return on investment for this five times for this example, and we've seen even more from other customers. The smaller the customer is, and we see a lot that there's a potential uh, with ocean freight visibility for also smaller customers. So their need for accuracy grows even more since they are very dependent on those um, 100 or 500 containers that they ship uh, a year. So the business value of that would be even higher. And that's the feedback we've been getting from our current customers. Um, throughout the next uh, quarter and, and moving forward, we will be publicizing some of those customers and, and having some press uh, releases on that. But I can say that we see a definite product market fit, not only for freight forwarders, but also shippers from the smallest to the largest. Um, and this is, like I said, just one of those examples. Sounds good. Um, maybe we'll also share one of the case studies from our compliance customers. So basically, I think this has been even highlighted more because of the invasion from Russia by Russia <clears throat> into Ukraine. Um, and it, it really makes traders and energy companies and shipping companies have to do more due diligence in terms of where is the cargo coming from, which is the vessel I'm chartering, and my unwittingly uh, buying or selling uh, Ukrainian grain that has been smuggled by Russia? Am I uh, selling uh, Iranian oil or Venezuelan oil or uh, any type of other sanctioned goods? Um, indeed, the value of RAI is at the end of the day doing more business. Uh, we're clearing 75% of the alerts and the false alerts that uh, people have been getting, just allowing them to focus on more business. As an anecdote, I, I met one of the biggest traders in the world a couple of weeks ago in Houston. And he said, listen, uh, can I give you a name of the vessel? And I said, yes. He gave me the vessel. I showed him the vessel. And I said, listen, I see absolutely nothing wrong about this vessel. It sounds perfectly fine to me. And he says, I agree with you. I know it didn't go into Iran and I can work with it, but I have a false uh, alert with the platform I'm using. And now I need to spend two or three hours a day to, to prove it's not the case. These are exactly the stories that, that make people choose our platform, especially the biggest players and the market leaders and I would expect to hear more of us in H2 about key market leaders signing up to using this platform. Actually, the API Insights Lab is key for this because the bigger you are, the more sophisticated you are, the bigger your IT team is, and the bigger you want to implement WinBird into your IT, which we've done in BP and Shell and other companies. But now with the API Insights Lab, we're going to do this at scale with all of our customers. Right. So just to add on that, Ami, uh, the API Insights Labs basically provides two options, either 
uh, predefined off-the-shelf packages of APIs for specific workflows and use cases for customers to easily adapt into their IT systems, or they can choose, pick and choose uh, whichever APIs they feel are right and specific for their needs. So this is really about customizing their workflows and and taking the platform and, and utilizing it for their needs. This increases the flexibility. It definitely increases stickiness with customers. So once you're integrated into their IT systems, it's a big hassle to take you out. And this is something that we see both from large customers, but also from the smaller ones. And this is also an opportunity for us to have a much larger addressable market. So working with third-party partners that provide other applications that are not necessarily part of our platform, but are for specific needs for customers. And we see more and more partners that are looking to work with our API in order to build applications for their customers. So this is part of our go-to-market strategy and something that allows us to reach a a far larger addressable market. Um, And once again, we've launched this only at the end of uh, June. So this is still evolving and it's both for current customers and a way for us to increase our, our reach within the customers, but also for new customers and new customer base. So maybe to summarize, uh, we've seen positive trading uh, continue to H2 uh, with further growth in, uh, in the newly announced customers. Obviously, we have announced all the customers. These are just the biggest ones we thought appropriate to announce. We believe that the year will unfold well, Q3 and Q4, historically, because of budget cycles and acquisition cycles, but the U.S. federal and others uh, are the strongest cues. If, please mind you that as management, we've pushed to launch Ocean Freight Visibility and API Insights at uh, H1 in order to allow us enough time to engage with customers and grow our customer base and our revenue in H2. So all this ramp up, we expect to reap the rewards of uh, in H2 and beyond that. I would like to uh, uh, reiterate, uh, we will continue to invest in technology. We believe this is a green field. There's endless amounts of growth. Uh, At the end of the day, the best product wins. And we hear that from customers. Uh, Once you put the data and the insights in customers' hands, that's where the advantage lies. Uh, You should expect further innovation from us on that. We will continue to aspire to be a market leader. Uh, And our focus is on top-line ACV growth. Uh, while we are still, we still have a clear roadmap to be uh, positive EBITDA in financial year 2024. A note on the market: uh, obviously, we're very much aware of the stock market and the risk of averse, let's call it, uh, mood in the markets. We have raised enough cash to take us to profitability. Plus, we have a buffer uh, as a plan of 20 million bucks or so uh, to get us into profitability, which we believe is a very positive thing. We also believe it's a good time to. Uh, look at acquisitions because of this market. Uh, so all in all, management and all the team uh, is heads down execution. We're executing according to our plan and our roadmap. We believe this will continue to reap the rewards. PI World videos and podcasts are for general information and interest. They do not constitute any kind of recommendation or inducement to buy shares of any company. PI World is not offering any kind of financial advice and nothing in our material should be taken as such.